0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the 137th issue of this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you. Details inside special double-sized issue X-Men.
1: Oh, that was an awful. It's not uncanny anymore?
0: No, it's just special double-sized issue Mm X-Men.
1: All right. I'm intrigued that this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you is actually a part of the cover, and it wasn't sort of like an inlay that they did later on, or an overlay, I should say.
0: Well, interestingly enough, and we'll we'll get back to the the title sequence later, but this is the cover of the Omnibus Volume 2, which I received in the mail the other day. Hooray! And, uh... It does not have the, this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you on the cover.
1: Oh. Well, good, because that would be kind of cheesy if it was. <laughs> that would be really stupid. As in, my, um, in my Masterworks, the the cover of the Masterworks is Cyclops Holding Phoenix, issue 136. But the cover that's in the book is is this $2,500 thing. So probably similar to what you have in the Omnibus.
0: Well, the omnibus, the inside front cover, is, is, is exactly the opposite. It's Cyclops holding uh, Jean Grey. Huh. And then the following inside front cover is Wolverine being blasted by a sentinel. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is the September 1980 issue, which was on sale in June 17th of 1980. And this one is titled The Fate of... Of the Phoenix, nicks, 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 nicks.
1: When this issue came out, I was four years old and three days. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> On the cover of this, it is Cyclops and Jean Grey blasting away with everything they have at some unseen force. And it says, Phoenix must die.
0: They are side by side. Uh, Jean Grey is in her Marvel Girl uniform. Cyclops is blasting. Jean Grey is shooting purple stuff everywhere, which, honestly, I didn't even realize she was shooting purple stuff uh, because there's so much crap on the cover. <laughs> Until I saw the uh, second Omnibus cover, which has reduced much of the crap. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I never realized she was actually shooting. I just thought she was holding her arm up in a pose.
1: What I didn't realize is that for this issue, and actually a number of the past issues, the top left-hand uh, little characters of their faces hasn't featured Phoenix Jean Grey Marvel Girl in actually quite some time. Has it ever? I don't know if it ever has, but I thought as I read this issue, she was, I was like, oh, they must have taken Phoenix away for some reason. And then I flipped back to old issues, and I was like, oh, she's not in any of these, at least in this masterwork. So I don't know if she ever was, because I guess... I- if you, I
0: don't think she ever was.
1: You might be right, because as I was thinking about it, and actually as I was reading uh, the interview that we'll talk about uh, in a little bit, she's not actually a member of the X-Men.
0: Right, and yeah, exactly. She was never really considered a member of the team.
1: After the new team started, so I had forgotten all of that. But anyways... Let's talk about this issue here. Uh, um, the cover's good, by the way. I, I like the cover, even though there's a lot of crap on it.
0: It's iconic. Absolutely. It's even better without this Marvel comic could be worth $2,500 to you.
1: Who is the... I can't read the signature here.
0: This is a Burn Austin cover.
1: Okay. That makes sense. Well, um, on the inside, uh, we... we it, it, really kind of does away with the whole... I guess the artist stuff is on the next page, but it does say that Chris Claremont and John Byrne and Terry Austin proudly celebrate an anniversary and reaffirm the legend of the Uncanny X-Men.
0: So this is the 17-year anniversary of the x-men
1: An interesting anniversary to celebrate but what the
0: heck oh you know they got a story they're going sure and the first page is a splash page of the watcher and you know when the watcher shows up something serious is about to happen yep that's that's the call sign of the watcher (laughs) you know the issue's gonna be huge everybody because because when he's watching it's important he doesn't just watch like you know soap operas when he's when he's watching,
1: shit's about to happen.
0: <laughs> he only watched the good episodes of Breaking Bad. That's right.
1: He doesn't have time for the bad episodes, although there were no bad episodes. Yeah, of Breaking there were bad. any bad episodes. <laughs> bad, bad
0: choice of yeah. show.
1: X-Files. Use X-Files as an example. He only watched the good episodes of the X-Files. Okay. Hmm. And he talks about what he does. He watches things, and he can't interfere. And so he'll tell us a little bit about Jean Grey growing from a child to a woman and becoming an X-Man and turning into the Phoenix and then the Dark Phoenix and stuff. But now there will all be the, the, the drama's final act is about to begin, is what he says.
0: These young mutants will be put to the ultimate test if they are found wanting. The entire universe may well pay the price. Ooh! Uh, the next page. The are high. Yep. The next page is a two-page
1: splash of the X-Men, kind of in the same pose they were when they were beamed away
0: from the Grays, except slightly more shocked.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: and then we get the credits. It's Chris Claremont, John Byrne, Terry Austin, Tom Orzachowski lettering, Glynis Ween, coloring, John Salikrep, and Luis Jones editing.
0: A twofer. Jim Shooter is uh, the editor in chief. I believe this is where Louise Jones takes over the editing from Jim Sally Krupp, as uh, we will talk about in that interview.
1: And everybody is very confused. What I want to know is, what was Iceman doing during all of this? Like,
0: all of the X-Men? Yeah, no, it's like we have, a, we have a full collection of all the, uh, the original X-Men, but except for Iceman. He's the only one who's missing.
1: And then as I was thinking about, like, where's Iceman? It also made me question... Uh, where's Havok and Lorna Dane? Did they officially say their goodbyes?
0: Uh, I believe they're still on the island uh, where McTaggart's Muir Isle. Yeah? Maybe not. Maybe they left Muir Isle.
1: Okay. I just was thinking, like, whatever happened. Did they, like, say goodbye? Because, like, in classic X-Men, they kind of intimated that, oh, this hero life isn't for us, and we're going to do our own thing. But... Like, I don't yeah, re- they did. There was
0: that. There was the uh, issue where he was like, where they were leaving Urile and Cyclops was like, hey, baby brother, you want to come hang out? And they were like, no, no, we don't.
1: Was that classic X-Men or regular X-Men?
0: That was regular X-Men. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Okay. All right.
0: That was after the whole Proteus saga. Mystery solved.
1: Well, all of the X-Men are uh, shocked. Can you believe it? Uh, Angel's
0: not too shocked. He's kind of like, yeah... That's alright, I get it. We're in space, that's cool.
1: The professor's thinking to himself that he recognizes this deck of a Shi'ar Imperial Dreadnought. He recognizes it as the flagshot of Lilandra's Grand Fleet. And if it is here, then Lilandra,
0: the woman he loves, cannot be far. He is in Xolossus' arms, no wheelchair for the professor.
1: In fact... Lilandra isn't that far, because right behind the Professor and Colossus is Gladiator and Lilandra. You know, maybe if the Professor had mind-scanned the room. (laughs) Yeah. Imminent danger, maybe I should scan—oh, Lilandra, what are you doing here? (laughs) Okay. I'm sure there's a perfectly plausible explanation for what is happening here.
0: Well, on the next page— Mohawk says you stand in the presence of Lilandra, Magistress Shiar Empress. Your fate is in her hands. What? Says Cyclops. What's this all about, Lilandra? We're friends! Why have you
1: kidnapped us?
0: True, Cyclops, the X-Men are my friends. I owe you my life, my freedom, my throne, more than I can ever repay. But as Empress, my first responsibility is to my people. And Phoenix must be destroyed!
1: Yeah, to ensure the safety of her uh, universe. Of the entire universe.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, Jean says, Jean Grey says,
1: Phoenix? Me?
2: Why?
1: Cyclops reminds her that uh, the X-Men and Phoenix stopped her brother from single-handedly destroying the universe. How is this any way to
0: repay her? I find it silly that Jean Grey says,
2: Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> me?
0: Why? You could just say Me? I well, don't know. I'm being picky, but well, still.
1: I mean... Wait, wait. Phoenix? You mean me? You mean the Phoenix who is me? Well the, what? Per, the professor has locked the Phoenix away behind psychic barriers and such, so maybe she truly does feel separated from the Phoenix at this point? Mm. I don't know. So, Lelandra goes on to say that uh, they had no quarrel with Phoenix. She seemed to be a benefic, beneficent, beneficent. beneficent entity. Though they had expected that the full intent of, uh, uh, of her power and feared it, they did nothing anyways. They believed that Jean could cope with that power, but they were wrong.
0: When Phoenix returned to Shi'ar space, and here we get some flashbacks, she devoured a planet, or a sun rather, uh, killing 5 billion inhabitants of a planet, and then destroyed a Shi'ar warship, which we saw in X-Men 135. And the X-Men are like, whoa. This just Whoa. got real, everybody. <laughs>
1: Gladiator also refers to her as the black angel of legend, the chaos bringer, much as she did herself. That's true. In the, uh, I think in that same issue. But yes, definitely. Uh, Storm is like, oh, little sister, I want to comfort you. But if Gladiator's words are true, part of me does not wish to forgive you.
0: No, part of me does not wish to comfort you. Forgive me. Well, oh, Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I felt it all happen through my psychic rapport I share with Jean, but I didn't understand. I didn't believe it. As dark Venus, she killed without mercy or remorse. But now she's Jean Gray again, and the memory of what she did is almost more than she can bear. That's why I'm here, Cyclops. (laughs) Explain what's going on. Oh, he'll do a
1: lot of that this issue. (laughs) Uh, So, Lilandra wishes it could be some other way, but it can't. They have to surrender. Dark, or surrender Jean Grey, or suffer the consequences. She's suffered enough, let her be. The professor goes on to, uh, i mean, sorry, the Cyclops goes on to say that uh, uh, Jean was not herself, it was the phoenix that was in control, and now that the phoenix is locked away, Jean is no threat to anybody or the universe. And she's suffered enough, let her be.
0: Suffered, earthling? Tell that to the spirits of the Dabari dead who cry out for vengeance. Be.
2: Silent Lord Chamberlain,
1: says Lilandra. Uh, she goes on and says, look, it, I I don't care what you have to say. The risk is too great. Give me her.
0: Yeah, she's basically saying, you know, so what was done before could probably be done again. Are you 100% positive about Phoenix not coming back? Because I don't think you are. <laughs> There's no way you can be sure. So give it, give her to me so I can kill her. And <laughs> that's... Messing, uh... The professor acts selflessly and challenges Lalandra to a duel of honor. The right, that's what happens, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. He he, he says, "Jean Grey, Arin Hilar." I, Jean Gray's life. I challenge you to a duel of honor. To which you think, yeah. So I guess uh, you know, professor's gonna go one on one with Lalandra. It's gonna be a little. That's that's pretty noble of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's that's what one would think when they say, I challenge you to a duel of honor. But apparently, uh, loosely translated in the Shi'ar Empire, it means, my team will fight your team as we watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Lilandra's so Lil, Lil, Lil pretty impressed with all that the professor has learned, uh, even catching whir- wind of the challenge of honor or whatever the heck it is and that that challenge cannot be
0: refused you know that that cannot be refused but still i have to go consult with my allies because yep. in my, my i might have to refuse it after all
1: so we also behind uh lil andrew we get a a kree and a Skrull who are kind of like looking well the kree guy is like hey you just nobody said
0: anything about any duel of honor
1: and the... i'm just here to represent the Cree. Scroll Skrull guy's like, oh, I want to kick you. He's not like, grr. <laughs> so the Lilandra, Gladiator, and some other alien people go into a private consort room or an Instalink communication between the Kree and the Skrull.
0: Before the internet, there was the Instalink. <laughs> we are bringing this podcast to you live over Instalink.
1: Live via Instalink. It's the danger room. <laughs> Featuring supreme intelligence of the Kree and uh, whoever this Skrull Empress is. Rick Rule. <laughs> Rick Rule.
0: Rick Rule. Rick Rule. Rick I don't know. It's some sort of clicky thing. Rick Rule.
1: Yeah, You know, the Kree and the Skrull are such Avengers things that they're meaningless to me. I, I don't really know or get them.
0: Are they – I don't know. I thought they were more like just the cosmic side of the I, – I I never really thought of them as Avengers or Fantastic Four or any of that just kind of cosmic.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They show up more so in Avengers and Fantastic Four than they do X-Men. But
0: anyways. Here they are. Yeah, so, but... so eat it.
1: <laughs> so get used to it. Well – Neither the Cree or the Skrulls have any sort of uh, concern about this duel of honor. They do not object, and they're also okay because they have some of their own people in the ship, so they've basically got eyes on the
0: situation. Provided that the X Men are not permitted to
1: win, says so, <laughs> says either the Cree or the Skrull. We're not sure which. Uh, no, that's the Skrull, is it? Yeah. Well, then the the whiny Skrull that's on site is like,
2: "My liege, no." I must stand beside this misbegotten maid of a mudworm and you ask too much of me.
0: Mm. Uh, Lilandra just says quit your petty bickering. If you don't want to come along, then don't. <laughs> <laughs> I am all about Phoenix right now, and if you do if you get in my way, then your life is forfeit just like everybody's life. Yeah. So she accepts her challenge and uh and that's when Beast realizes Professor Xavier had no right to issue that challenge in all our names without consulting us. Gee whiz.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it did buy them some time to consider the alternatives, whether we want to fight for her. And then he th- says out loud, how can we let one of our own be condemned without a fair trial or any trial at all? I thought you knew the X-Men better than that little Andra. So he wants a trial. angel rubbing massaging Beast's shoulders. Beast, do you remember this massage? <laughs> Oh, Angel, this takes me back. <laughs> back to when we were kids in the danger room all by ourselves practicing. That's what we called it, you know, practicing
0: the massage techniques. <laughs> Execute maneuver MG7. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, the duel begins at dawn, Lilandra says, to give the X-Men time
0: to recover their strength.
1: So, now we get multiple pages of X-Men making this okay for themselves.
0: Yeah, we get to see all their thoughts, you know, as, you know, whether or not they're actually going to do the whole duel thing.
1: Yeah. So, Jean, she's, like, she, only hours ago was when she ate a planet, and that was awful. She felt it all, and she never wants to feel that again, but she did just the same. Please, God, give me strength. Some robot guy delivers a uniform of some kind,
0: and Jean says she wants to be left alone. We cut to Nightcrawler, who is in a danger room-esque room, uh, jumping around hoops and such.
1: I think he's trying to avoid all of those word balloons in this panel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He does a lot of thoughts.
1: He's mostly thinking about, uh, what is he thinking about? Well,
0: he's thinking about last time they fought these guys, the, uh, little Andrews troops. And then he's thinking about, you know, they that was tough, but maybe, you know, the X-Men are pretty good at pulling off miracles uh, he wishes he felt confident about the reason for the duel. He feels kind of weird about siding with Jean Grey. As a child in the circus, he do people who had survived the Holocaust. Uh, how can he forgive Jean Grey if he if he can't forgive the Nazis? Then he could teleport to the floor, but I think it'll run down the wall instead. It's It'll be more fun and eat your heart out, Spider-Man. Anything you can climb, I can better. climb better. Fun? Oh, what's the use? Try, though I might. I can't get Jean from my mind. Whoops, the wall is a frictionless surface. My toes and fingers can't get a grip.
1: And that's when Angel catches him. So we get a lot of thoughts from him, but no thoughts from Angel. Angel's just kind of like, here you are, buddy. I'll catch you. Relax,
0: Crawler. I've got you. <laughs> I've finished with the beast. Now it's now it's your turn, blue and fuzzy.
1: I really like blue fuzzy guys. <laughs> and uh, Nightcrawler says, you sound sad. And Angel's like, Yeah. I just discovered I had doubts where I didn't expect to find any. In a few hours we're supposed to fight for Gene and I don't know yet if I can. And that Kurt that hurts. Where does it hurt, my friend? I could help you with that. <laughs> put a put a pin in that thought, cause we'll we'll readdress it uh later on 'cause I've I've got some thoughts about that dialogue versus other dialogue.
0: But anyways Wolverine <laughs> to Wolverine who is naked. Jowering. Um, she's Got his mask up on some sort of pedestal.
1: He's going on. Uh, he's He's also... Everyone's thinking about Gene. He talks about his adamantium bones and the razor sharp
0: and all that sort of stuff. I ain't scared of dying. Never have been. It'll happen to me one day whether I want it to or not. So why waste time worrying about it? As much as anything else, shoot, there ain't much of a man with unbreakable adamantium bones and razor sharp adamantium claws that I mention every single issue. <laughs> to be scared of. Still, I've got a bad feeling about this fight.
1: i got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> he, he, the real takeaway here is he's one of the only X-Men that realizes that she has become two separate entities, Jean Grey and the Phoenix. Jean isn't a killer, but Phoenix is. But then he doesn't know if push comes to shove, whether or not he could make the choice. He would always have to stand by Jeanie, And this is, I think, one of the first in canon meditation poses i can't keep him track because i know that in one of the giant sized redux issues he does some meditating but anyways he's he's meditating he's totally meditating beast is uh well after that action he had with the angel he's got to take himself a bath (laughs) he gets all sudsy
0: wudsy in a big old bowl of water or something i guess it's a space bathtub and he's thinking about how the law separates humanity from its animal ancestors, and like it or not, the law protects everyone. It has to. If Jean were Satan incarnated, still greater the full benefit of the law, and give Jean a chance to defend herself, while Andrew's exercise in raw, naked power, might-making right is as reprehensible in its own way as Dark Venus is, and I, for one, am not going to stand for it. Well, hello!
1: Yeah, there's a half-naked space alien who is ready to give him another massage. Oh, he's just getting massaged all over the place. <laughs> he, Oh, my stars and garters. So the problem I have with this little three-panel excerpt here is that Beast is going on and on and on about the law, but, I mean, he's in space. He's governed by Lilandra's Empire's Law. The law that he seems to be referring to is like man's law on Earth. Like if a crime was committed in New York, we would go through a different set of laws and courts than if a crime was committed in the universe. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yes, I do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Beast, Beast is still sticking with his uh, his uh feeling that law is universal.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Colossus— Everybody deserves a trial.
1: Colossus gets a kind of a throwaway few panels. He, he was—
0: uh, <clears throat> Yeah, he, he knows that Dark Phoenix is evil. He felt, G... but he loves Jean Grey and he, he uh, not in a uh, in a platonic way. Right. <laughs> and uh, it would be a denial of that love. Such a betrayal. I cannot, I will not commit. And I will uh, turn into Colossus right now. Rawr! <laughs> yep. As Storm wakes up with the
1: sunrise, I guess. She's able to see the sunrise maybe from her... Ship, but from space rather than on Earth. It's beautiful.
0: She's remembering the old days in Africa, back when she was the wind rider and not the weather witch.
1: (laughs) Yes. She chose to join the X-Men to leave her African home of her own free will. The X-Men have become her family. Jean Grey is the only sister that she never had. Now, how, how ironic Dark Phoenix symbolizes all I abhor, but... Knowing that she is Jean, I find that I can no more deny her than I can myself. I love Jean. As part and parcel of that love, I shall use my elemental powers to defend her to the death.
0: So here we see that she, when she isn't using her powers, she does have eyeballs. So yeah, I guess that's the thing in the comic. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Cyclops is sitting in a little exterior bubble thing outside of the side of a ship. Doesn't look too safe,
0: but whatever. I can't help thinking, what if the right? Suppose we win today and then the psychic circuit breakers that Professor Xavier's place in Jean's mind fail. Dark Phoenix will be free once more in the whole universe at her mercy. And it will have been our fault. I've been wrestling with this fear all night. I still don't have an answer. Maybe there isn't one. I probably should have got some sleep so I'd be, like, ready to fight, but that's just my way. He says. Damn, it isn't fair. After all we've been through. After all the good that Gene's done to have it in like this. I guess that's what the people on Dabari thought when the sun explode. Boy, I'm just going back and forth. <laughs> I've been a leader too long. I could see Landry's position as clearly as my own. Bloody, bloody, blah.
1: And if his position was reversed, would he think any differently? I'd like to think yes. Yes, if vengeance is demanded, let God let it sort out. I'd rather err on the side of mercy. And that's when Marvel Girl, now in her Marvel Girl garb, comes out and says,
2: No matter what the cost...
1: What, Gene? You read
0: my mind?
2: I no longer have the power of Phoenix, Scott, but I'm still a telepath, and we still share our psychic rapport.
0: (laughs) You're just as Marvel Girl. Why? It's kind of kinky, but why? (laughs) Uh, Leave it on, baby. Leave it on. (laughs)
2: Ah, nostalgia pride. I started as Marvel Girl, and that's how I'll finish.
1: She goes on. She wonders if she's worth it. She destroyed a world. Uh, in She could still hear the screams of the dying. It
0: felt good.
1: I don't
2: want that feeling ever again. And yet, I do!
0: I know, but to give up, that'd be like saying that Dark Phoenix has won. That you are evil. You're not. Jean, whatever happens, is know that I love you, and I'll stand by you.
2: And I use God with all my heart
0: and they do it right there. Again,
1: man. They're like little rabbits for all the galaxy to see. They're going to be that window bubble. They're going to be pumping out little baby phoenixes before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, later, not the next day because half of these X-Men don't appear to have slept, but whatever. Uh it took there's a little dialogue here about how it took astronauts 3 days to make the journey from Earth to the moon, but Lilander's flagship does it in minutes. Pew! <laughs> and it makes that noise. <laughs> And Cyclops approaches the X-Men and says, I won't ask you to fight for me. I don't have the right, but I won't think
0: anything less
1: of you if you don't want to fight
0: for Gene. Scott says, Angel, we uh, tucked us out amongst ourselves before you got here. We're all agreed, and we're with you and Gene to the end. Uh,
1: thanks, Warren. Th- thanks, all of you. He's, he's a little broken up. A little bit, you know. Uh, Lilandra kind of breaks down the rules. The X Men and the Imperial Guard will fight until one team or the other is defeated. If the X Men win, those who survive will be set free. If my Imperials win, Phoenix, Jean Grey is ours to do with as we will, and you abide by those terms, Cyclops. We will. You have our word on that. Yeah, you know, I have one problem with this part of the story. Everybody's making an assumption as to what Lilandra will do with Jean, or yeah, will do with Jean, but nobody's actually asked.
0: Well, we'll find out what she would do with him in the alternate version of this story.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm just I'm just curious. Like if you were like, a, well, like as smart as the professor, for example, and it was your girlfriend or the woman that you loved who was like, I need that woman because she committed atrocities. Wouldn't your first question be like, well, I, I understand your position. Uh, what is it that you would like to do with her? Do you intend on rehabilitating her? Do you intend on destroying her? Like, what's your plan? Then I'll make my decision as to whether or not I want to challenge you to a duel.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the X-Men are an impulsive lot. It's been fairly uh, implied that Phoenix must be destroyed, Phoenix must die. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they kind of, they're just going by the gut that she's just going to kill her. yeah. But you're right, nobody has asked. (laughs) Let's just ask specifically. So, Lelandra, how are you planning on doing this? Uh, What's your plan? (laughs) Exactly. And then maybe when she goes through it, they're like,
2: well, okay, that's
1: not terrible. We can do that. (laughs) All right, well, anyways, they don't. They all get beamed down to the lunar blue area of the moon. But not before some dude named Iraqi was like, suppose they win. Lelandra, with a tear on her cheek, says, they will not win. You have my word on that which is interesting because the professor is literally like three feet in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you say something? My love, something about them, not winning. Does that mean you will kill them? I love them. (laughs) Anyways. So they're teleported into like ancient ruins of the lunar blue area
0: of the moon. Of
1: course, in every Marvel comic, somebody has to say, I recognize this from the files
0: (laughs) here. It's beast. Cyclops and Jean Grey are holding hands as they get teleported down that's sweet it's beast
1: who recognizes this place from the avengers files uh it's It's called the blue
0: area of the moon like my fur (laughs) these ruins reach deep uh basically they can breathe and if they get out of the small little area then they won't be able to breathe
1: yep uh marvel girl scans the area there's nobody in sight cyclops says that'll change Pretty quickly, and it does, Wolverine notices that, uh, well, actually, first of all, Gene says, I've noticed multiple telepathic impressions. And Wolverine's like, yeah, they're right over there, where that big <laughs> flash of light
0: is. That flash of light on the far side of the crater must be the guard teleporting down. We use just... and angel takes off. I'll take a look, see, psych. Yeah. And then he, apparently, because of the gravity of the... Area is lighter. He goes flying off into the area of space where he can't breathe. Cyclops is like, Angel, no! Have you forgotten we're on the moon? Compensate for the lighter gravity before! What? Arrgh! My wings! One sweep took me out of the crater. They
1: shouldn't have done that. Nowhere! I can't breathe and it's cold and it's freezing! My solid gotta stay conscious. So Angel is in the vast vacuum of space right now, not dying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, he, he He manages to fall some... I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, He does seem to fall back to the moon. Uh, He must be
0: close enough to the sphere that gravity still sort of makes him fall.
1: Storm flies over to go get him. Be careful,
0: Storm. I don't want you flying off into space as well.
1: Yeah, so she does comment here that the limited environment within the crater makes it hard for her to effectively use her elemental powers. Uh, so she won't have uh, sufficient atmospheric tools to work with. Nevertheless, she saves uh, Angel.
0: Muchos gracias, Storm. I acted without thinking as usual. Up here, my wings will take me farther faster. I've pulled some dodo stunts in my day. This one's right in character. Yeah,
1: and they make a big deal of this. (laughs) Cyclops asks how he feels, and he says, I feel dumb. D-U-M-B. I screwed up.
0: Next time, buddy, think. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? Where you are? What you were doing? There are only eight of us with Jean's life at stake. We can't afford any mistakes.
2: You got away with it once. Don't push your luck, buddy. Like, shut
1: up, Cyclops. <laughs> we're doing this he's, for your girlfriend. He's all like patting him on the shoulder and stuff. <laughs> well, Angel does have this look like, "Holy, I did kind of mess
0: up there." My bad. So their plan is to split up into two teams of four, and uh, they're going to use hit-and-run tactics to throw the Imperials off balance and whittle down their forces... And then once they've done that, we'll recon I guess they'll reconvene and smash the ever-loving crap out of them. Absolutely. So one team heads towards, like, this
1: corridor. It's a Angel, Gene, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler. And as soon as they head into this little space corridor, something explodes onto Cyclops. I like how...
0: Gene uh, says, I'm not afraid, Warren. Oracle must be blocking my probes. I don't want to push too hard. She might be able to backtrack the scan to us. Good move, Gene. That's that's really good doing nothing. <laughs> I, I approve of that.
1: <laughs> keep, keep up the nothing, baby. You're the whole reason we're in this mess. So This
0: place is wide open, a perfect place for an, an- ambush. Take the point, Nightcrawler. <laughs>
1: but before the German-born mutant can ever take a step, Boom, or foom, friends of mighty marvel. Man, you cannot escape, and you, no matter how hard you try, you will not win. So this dude, uh, his name is Starbolt. Apparently Cyclops knows him, probably from the files.
0: Uh, I think he was probably in the previous issue where they battled them. Probably, I don't know. We'll see about that, Starbolt. Angel, take off. According he... to Sykes' briefing, before he be- we beam down, this girl, this lady is Oracle. She has side powers like Mar- Marvel Girl. The other girl, the other guy is Smasher. I'll handle him. Nightcrawler and Genie can handle the ladies. Mm. We'll all just team up with people that are have similar skills, because that's the way battle works. Meanwhile, Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, and Beast are taking the underground route. And they hear some Zarks. Zark! Zark! You guys hear that? Sykes in his opposite blasts. They're pretty near full power too. Sounds like the fight's starting without us. My friend, should we not go to their aid? We should not, Cyclopes. Cyclopes. <laughs> Much as we'd like to, for the moment, Psyke's team is not just on his own. Is on his own just as we are. Don't worry though; there are probably more villains, more than enough villains to go around. And that's when Warstar comes out. Organic beings, we are Warstar. We offer you a choice: honorable surrender or honorable death. You, you
1: wonder why it's we, or why he keeps saying we, and as Colossus punches this thing in the gut, a little dude jumps out and attacks Beast. You take care of Colossus,
0: Sakil. The fuzzy one is all mine. Hey, there's two of them, says Beast. <laughs> that uh, storm is my cue to get involved. I was waiting for Beast to say, hey, there's two of them. <laughs> Give me five seconds.
1: I'll know if these suckers are worth the metal
0: they're made out of. My apologies, Wolverine, but I can,
1: that I cannot allow.
0: Gladiator! He rips the floor from beneath them and uh, they spill into some sort of pit. Yep,
1: Gladiator, or I'm sorry, Storm and Wolverine fall into a pit.
0: This is getting to be a habit, you know, snatching X-Men from the brink of doom. Yep. And as ever, Roro, I'm obliged.
1: We fall in a pretty fair piece.
0: Yep, and so th- all they have into what appears to be some sort of unusual uh building. Crystal building.
1: It's pure crystal. It's totally unlike the ruins around it, and it seems brand new. But they don't have time for that because uh there's a watchdog, but it's not a watchdog. His name is Earthquake. Behold the reason why. So he's an alien named Earthquake. That doesn't make any sense. Shouldn't he be named like Shiarquake? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Or moonquake it translates earthquake.
1: Yeah. Well. Anyway, so the ground starts shaking. Uh, Wolf- you no, know,
0: earth is in the ground. Not earth is in planet Earth. Yeah. Maybe he could be groundquake. <laughs> I don't know.
1: But anyways, he he he. Uh, Wolverine lo- loses his balance and falls inside of the crystal building.
2: Holy aurora, Wolverine! He fell right through the wall. But I can't go after him until I've dealt with earthquake.
1: And she talks about the power, the strain, but he'll. She won't fail. She mustn't fail. You Earthquake...
2: There's no villain that
0: storm controls the wind and the rain. Elements that grind the Earth down
2: to powder.
1: An Earthquake is getting hit by paved stones that are being hurled at him. But she doesn't recognize, I don't know,
0: Neurowhip. No, that's what their name of her weapon no, her is. her name is Hussar. Hussar, Hussar has a Neurowhip. Sneaking up behind Aurora and grabs her with her Neurowhip and... um and they, they basically tag-team her.
1: Earthquake flings a whole bunch of earthy debris at her, which looks like it hurts a lot.
0: Yeah, you would assume that Storm is
1: dead. Cut into pieces, at least. Panel. Uh, this X-Man will give us no more trouble, eh, Hussar? First blood to the Imperial Guard. A good omen.
0: How do they know it's first blood?
1: <laughs> They're all within psychic rapport of each other. <laughs> Little Andrew's cheating. Elsewhere, uh, <clears throat> the other... Three other uh, four X-Men are battling. Marvel Girl, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Angel.
0: Nightcrawler's just kind of sitting there. <laughs> we're holding our own, but that's about it. Our powers and tactical skills are pretty evenly matched, except all of our foes can fly. But I'm just a glorified acrobat. All the maneuvers I've learned to counter in an air, an airborne attack were with, worked out with Storm. Angel doesn't know them, and there's no time to teach. What? Angel, look out! Oracle's Oracle's moving in behind you.
1: Uh, And so Oracle does do something to his
0: mind. Everything's suddenly gone bluey. Too late, Nightcrawler. I've stunned him, and Smasher picks up Angel and tosses him down into another pit. There seems to be a lot of pits in this area.
1: Nightcrawler goes jumping after My God, Angel's traveling like a rocket. I've got to put ahead of Angel and try to break his fall. I can't see the bottom. I hope it's straight. Otherwise, I might materialize around the physical object and make a mess very quickly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he bamps and then we cut to uh, Wolverine inside the Crystal Palace.
1: Um, His mind's all jumbly, and he's commenting to himself that he hasn't caught himself babbling to himself in years he doesn't know where he is everything's scrambled his physical
0: senses aren't quite working right that can't be true i'm sure he's babbled to himself in a few issues ago (laughs) when chris claremont
1: (laughs) so for some reason uh he runs up to a giant monitor and on that giant monitor is the watcher's big head And he says, I am the Watcher. This is my domicile. You are not welcome here, Wolverine. I'm getting tired of being bounced around like this, Bub. You want to make something of it? Very well. If your words will not persuade you, let your actions take their place. I am pledged never to interfere in the lives and affairs of beings whom I observe. However, I am permitted to warn you of the many dangerous devices I have in my home, such as this dinosaur you are next to. Without warning, X-Men, you might find yourself hurled into the world's primordial past or into the farthest reaches of its future or worse. Return here at your own risk, Wolverine. Pop!
0: We get three panels of, you know, Wolverine popping around... Uh, Time and the space. Past, and I guess what is considered <clears throat> the future is like fire and volcanoes and stuff. My question is why? <laughs> it's his warnings it's it's uh the security system no but what is the point of him even
1: what was the point of this whole page um
0: i don't know <laughs> i thought it was kind of
1: neat like from a story perspective generally things happen for a reason you have somebody stumble upon something so that later on you do something with it but i guess just to remind us that the watcher is
0: watching and
1: it's just such a weird like inclusion that I just, it seems like it's there and like either in this issue or in a few other issues, Wolverine be like, oh my God, let me tell you about this watcher fool.
0: Well, it does throw Wolverine off balance so that as Storm approaches him in the next panel, uh, he doesn't, he's not sure if it's really Storm or not, but he's not, he can't, he doesn't know if he can trust his feelings. Well, my instincts are telling her that this ain't her. Right. Trouble is, after what the Watcher's Funhouse ride did to my insides, can I trust those feelings? I guess there ain't no buts about it. And he grabs her by the hair and tosses her into a wall and... Her hands, as I... Make just a big mistake, lady.
1: Her hands, as I threw her, they were tightening on my neck. Storm was starting to strangle me. So
0: we know that Storm is unconscious. Right. So it would... I don't know. So maybe that was the point of... I
1: don't know. Like, the Storm part's fine, but the Watcher part, it just... Like what I don't why is this here? Anyways, uh the, the storm person who is trying to choke Wolverine is actually a Skrull.
0: Right. It's that dude from before, Raxor.
1: I am Raxor Terran, a Skrull warrior. I am your death.
0: Wanna bet. And that's he does a terrible Wolverine leap. I mean, <laughs> he's not gonna hurt anybody by lunging his chest into them.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh wolf... I'm gonna hit you
0: with the full fury of my chest. But for some reason, uh,
1: he gets zapped away by the sk- the Kree guy. Uh, Just
0: because my Skrull ally is too terrified to defend himself, X-Men, does not mean that he is completely helpless, at least not so long as he has a Kree warrior to protect him. Be thankful I did not leave you to your fate, Skrull. We were meant to be observers here, not combatants.
2: You? You saved me, Kree? You? That insult, I will not endure.
1: And he turns into a big space beast. With like six arms, it looks like. And then the Kree's like, Hala! <laughs> holla! Holla! <laughs> and so Nightcrawler is now walking down some stairs or something. I
0: don't understand how he managed to lose Angel since he teleported directly in front of him, mm-hmm. but he disappeared and now he's kind of skirting around in the shadows. He sees Manta also. Walking through the, these weird little catacombs, and so he uses his shadow shadow power to be hidden from her. He is hoping def- that she will uh, lead him to Angel.
1: He is definitely disappearing into the shadows here. He's still got it. <laughs> what? She spotted me. How? So apparently, Manta's power is to just make bright lights.
0: <laughs> well, it, it knocks him unconscious. So.
1: So she has an uh, infrared vision, so he was able to see him in the shadows. He stood out like a supernova. That's two more Terrans beaten. Angel's uh, on her little spacecraft thing. It's like a land speeder. Her corpse carrier. <laughs> there you go. Corpse speeder. <laughs> Meanwhile, Warstar, I guess is his name, is fighting Colossus, and Gladiator is just kind of watching.
0: Warstar is not doing well. I thought Beni and Sekil could deal with these X-Men. My mistake.
1: <laughs> my, m- my foe is down, Beast. Hang on. I will be by your side in a moment.
0: Too late, big fella. Yow! This hefty... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this hefty jolt of electricity certainly took the fight out of your fuzzy
1: friend in a hurry. And that's when we get our yow. It's a very, very intense looking yow from Beast. Snurf, snurf. <laughs> I imagine he's yowling like a cat right there.
0: Yow, on.
1: <laughs> uh such an attack will not work on me creature. Let us see if you can still make such a jokes after I have reshaped you into a pretzel.
0: I do not know what a pretzel is.
1: Gladiator comes out of nowhere and punches Colossus across the jaw. Well, not out of nowhere. He's right there. Well, from off panel, punches him in the <laughs> jaw. To get to Beni Colossus. You'll have I'm to go put through. you over my Beni. <laughs> <laughs> and he slams Colossus into the ground, and Colossus is like, Man, that really hurt. Perhaps you're right, Gladiator, but since joining the X Men, I have learned that anything is possible. And he picks up a big concrete pillar and hits Gladiator over the head, which doesn't even ruin his mohawk.
0: It doesn't. He is like unfazed. No, he just he just stands in a heroic pose, cape's blowing uh, in the wind. Yeah, yeah, this happens.
1: <laughs> well, he, like I said earlier, he's he's Shiar Superman.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: So they go at it. They start punching one another, and they're punching so hard that the ruins above them shatter on top of them, and eventually they're crushed beneath the weight of the ruins and. Only one person can emerge victorious. Who's it going to be, Adam? Who's it going to be?
0: Well, it's uh, it's the purple man. It's Gladiator.
1: Man. It's at this point that we go from the busy screen to the professor who's looking at Gladiator, who's pulling a fleshy uh, pure Peter Rausputin from the ruins, and he's thinking to himself, No, no, my X-Men. I thought, I felt you had a chance. I never dreamed things would end like this. Forgive me, why my I, children. Why did I put you all into a duel? <laughs> and why haven't I just, like, saved everybody like I always do?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, mamma mia, mamma
2: mia, <laughs> mamma mia. X-Men go.
1: I know. I will never forgive myself.
0: Um, I, I got to ask, how large is the blue area? Because it looks like there's, I mean, they're, like, everywhere. They've fallen down pits. They've gone into the Watcher's realm. Uh, It looks like Colossus and Gladiator knocked pretty much all of it down.
1: It's as big as it needs to be, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Good answer. Lilandra is standing next to Charles.
2: I warned you, Charles. As each X-Man falls, another piece is cut from your heart as one is cut from mine. I want to cover you and be with you in your hour of need. Cut from your heart, (laughs) and I'm to blame. I gave love a bad name.
1: So at this point, honestly, I've I've been kind of underwhelmed by the entire book until we get to this page here. And this page here is where all of the X-Men are out. It's just Marvel Girl and Cyclops, and they've kind of been hiding away from uh, the the Shi'ar guard blasting every now and again. And they find, <clears throat> they find some ruins and uh, Marvel Girl uses her telepathic powers to raise up kind of like a dust wall to conceal their
0: appearance, which is a neat idea. There's so much I want to say to you. So much I feel I don't have the words.
2: Where I'm concerned, it's the thought that counts. And yours like you are Beautiful. beautiful.
0: What is Cyclops doing with his... Well, his one
1: arm, his uh, left arm, is stroking her shoulder. His right arm is moving down from her shoulder down to a breast. (laughs) Just just one last feel, Marvel girl. I, I don't have a good feeling about this, and... Well, when you're dead, it, it'll be really creepy if I grab a boob.
0: You're a special man, Scott Summers.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> no more special than the woman I love. Now that I've copped that feel, let's go. Ready? Ready. Then let's go. And out they go. They pop out of the ruins and they're they're shooting and hurling rocks and more and more Shi'ar people descend upon the area in which they're fighting and the camera or whatever you want to call it is pulling out slowly each panel is like a further distance away until the entire moon and spaceship are in view, at which point things go horribly wrong.
0: They remember all that happened since, good times and bad, and dream of what might have been. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Jean Grey, a man named Scott Summers. They were young. They were in love. They were heroes. Today, they will prove it beyond all shadow of a doubt.
1: So... I want to just stop right there real quick and say that those two pages, in my opinion, are the best pages of this entire comic. Because it showed, like, a little bit of humanity of these people. It showed what they're trying to fight for. It shows them, like, against all odds. And that's neat. And then I I kind of feel like the rest of this goes off the rails. But that's just me.
0: (laughs) I, I thought it's been consistent. I mean, you know.
1: Well, on the ship, somebody says, uh, Majestric, something is happening. Our instruments are registering off their scales. No, Shara and Kithri, no. So I don't know what happened there.
0: Uh, Phoenix is
1: reborn. But the ship that I thought everybody was on explodes.
0: Well, it it's a plasma bolt that punches through the starship's defensive force. feels like they don't exist. It doesn't explode. Mm. It just, uh, the artificial gravity has gone. Professor X goes flying. I wonder which one is Professor X.
1: I don't know. I don't see a wheelchair. <laughs> um, Announcing, let's see, punches to the Starship Defense Force, blah, blah, blah. Announcing to all the universe that Phoenix is reborn. Like, if this is such a monumentous thing of Phoenix being reborn, we should see her being reborn.
0: Well, you do. You just have to wait a page for it. No, I don't like it. Captain, that. alert the Grand Fleet. Plan Omega. If we fail at our mission, burn this world, this system, this entire stellar cluster. Do whatever is necessary to ensure that Phoenix is destroyed.
1: Lilandra is right. Things have gone too far. I have done all I could. Too little. Far too <laughs> just late. Just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> far too late. Now I must act to save the race. Hear me, my X-Men. Hear me this is my plan to wake up the X-Men. <laughs> well, on the planet's surface, it happened so fast, no time to stop herself, no time even for thought. She saw Cyclops cut down, and the cry of shock and grief and terror that welled inside within her shattered the psychic restraints that Professor Xavier placed around her power. Now, that's a pretty monumentous statement right there. She saw her man go down, maybe she assumes he's dead, and that's when she loses all, all power. So, I think that's fine and everything to awaken the phoenix that way, but I really wish we would have seen that. I really wish, like, at the midst of that big fight where it's against all odds, I don't know, Gladiator shoots him or something, and he falls down, and that's when she loses it. But I wanted to see that, not not hear about it.
0: Well, I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> Adam. Why I... did you, why did you make this issue like this? I I don't know.
0: I just felt that. I could describe it. So then we get the perfect... Yeah, it's a little odd. I'll agree with you there. It, 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 it is kind of odd. The comic books is a medium of show, not tell.
1: Right. Well, anyways, uh, the professor wakes up all of the X-Men um, and tells them to reconvene on Jean and basically take down Jean.
0: Cyclops, attack Phoenix now. while well, she is comparatively weak. And he shoots at the wall, causing it to uh, Fall fall on her Jean- good scott you're doing exactly what i prayed you would
1: forgive me my love also it feels like the art has taken a turn
0: well i mean <laughs> we'll talk about why all right, well for <laughs> right those
1: there. that can't see what we're saying i'm just pointing things out yes we'll we'll address all of this in a little bit
0: cyclops professor's voice inside my mind forcing me awake genes
1: become phoenix again
2: goddess, goddess no
1: it's up just to, to stop her.
2: Is such a thing possible?
0: I don't know, Aurora, but we have to try.
1: Keep her off balance. Use your power to burn herself out. I will do what
0: I can. So she creates a uh, some sort of tornado. Wolverine and uh, Cyclops. Or no, God, God, Wolverine and Colossus. And Nightcrawler. About those sea people. Yeah. And Nightcrawler uh, are all awake, pointing out that they also were awakened by Professor X. Wolverine says, I know, Misfit. He pulled that stunt with all of us, so shut up.
1: <laughs> Stop saying the obvious. Stop trying to fill a page.
0: Don't you guys see we're not facing Genie anymore, but Phoenix. Like it or not, it's us and maybe all of humanity or her. I'm going Wolverine... to pull a reverse fastball special on you, PD. Variation on a theme, bub. Only in the moon's ladder gravity, I can play pitcher instead of you. I loved that woman, Petey. <laughs> because of that love, I might hesitate. It happened before. We almost got killed as a result. This time that's a risk we can't afford to take. You do the uh, job.
1: (laughs) Colossus transforms into metal all the way across the cavern that he's being thrown across, thinking to himself that he, he, Wolverine, you've asked me to kill. I have never done that. Worst, you've asked me to kill a friend. I cannot do it. He punches her, but kind of holds the punch back.
2: Wow, you pulled your punch, Peter. And even so, I'm surprised my head's still attached to my body. Thanks, though, for knocking some sense back into me. Now, finally, I truly understand what I am and what has to be done.
0: Two beings, Jean Grey and Phoenix, separate, unique, bound together, a symbiote, Peter. And then I got confused. Symbiote Peter? Wait, are we in (laughs) Spider-Man?
1: Yeah, don't you remember the Venom Colossus storyline?
0: Neither X provides a life force which I provide the living focus for its infinite power. So kill me, X-Men. Kill me. No.
2: It doesn't have to be like this. You have an intellect, Gene. A will, a soul. Use them. Fight the dark side of yourself. We'll help you. The power of change be too soon. Gene, Gene, wait. You're not giving us any choice. That choice was never yours to begin
0: with. And that's when her costume transforms from Phoenix to Dark Phoenix.
1: Telekinetic force bolt. I can't move. Darn.
2: Gene to Phoenix to Dark Phoenix, a regression as inevitable as death. You of all people
0: should know how I feel through the psionic. No longer psychic, but now it's psionic again. (laughs) Rapport we share.
2: I'm scared, Scott. I can't figure out if it's a psionic rapport or a psychic rapport. Part of the the power's taken over me, and I welcome it.
1: In the background, we see a gun rising out of the dust.
2: You want me to fight? I have. I am with all my strength. But I can't forget that I killed an entire world, five billion people. As certainly as unthinkingly as you would crumble a piece of paper. I want no more deaths on my conscience. Your way I'd leave completely in control of myself every second of every day for the rest of my immortal life. Maybe I could do it, maybe. But if I slept even for an instant, if I failed, if even one more person died in my hands, it's better this way. Quick, clean, final. I love you, Scott. A part of me will always be with you.
0: Jean, no, don't. No. <laughs> the, the blaster that is conveniently risen from the ground blasts her into dust. Oh. That wasn't convenient,
1: Adam, as as Cyclops will tell us in this gigantic montage of text here. <laughs> you planned this, didn't you, from the moment you landed on the moon? Basically, he's thinking to himself that Jean thought Lilandra's forces could do it. And if Lilandra's forces couldn't do it, she had read some schematics from Skrull and Scream- Cree Mines that showed her the location of this gun. And so she went here because she knew she could use it to have herself destroyed.
0: That sounds like a whole lot of r- rubbish to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it, it does sound like a quick, how do I finish this thing?
0: Psychops just pieced that all together, huh? <laughs>
1: yes, he did. Maybe he got it as the psionic rapport was fizzling away. Well, anyways, she she's not just dead. She's vaporized. She's
0: gone. Yeah, that's that's... She ain't coming back from that. Oh, Jean, Jean, and we then inside the, I guess, Watchers' Crystal Castle, into some new character that maybe is uh, readers are familiar with from other issues. Statement: I am the Recorder, a non-cellular humanoid created by, blah blah blah. <laughs> Why did this happen? My historical circuits inform me that Jean Grey was counted as a force for good on Earth. As Phoenix, her power saved the universe from from extinction, yet she was hounded to death. Interrogative?
1: Why? Because she was human. Insufficient
0: answer. Please elucidate further, Watcher.
1: All beings carry within them a capacity for good and evil, and all of our actions result from the interaction of these two fundamental forces. Gonna keep talking for quite a while until the comic book is over, but keep this in mind. It was important that she die a human.
0: Yes, that's what <laughs> it comes down to. What makes humanity virtually unique in the cosmos, my friend, is the extraordinary capacity for self sacrifice. This ability to triumph over seemingly interminable obstacles, if the cause be just knowing all that well. All the while that to do so means certain death. So it was important to her that she die a human, not a phoenix, not a chaos bringer, not a black angel, not not a black black queen, queen, and
1: so on and so forth.
0: And and it doesn't even say the end.
1: Nope, it does not. That's it. That's the end. So there you go. The conclusion of the Dark Phoenix saga. Yes,
0: sir. What did you think
1: of that, Adam? It
0: was good. The end was a little bit quick, but, you know, I liked it.
1: Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, uh, through this iteration of the Masterworks, uh, flipping forward to be like, okay, well, you know, looking for... I haven't been reading ahead, but certainly looking for keys ahead. And this issue was basically a lot of dialogue and a lot of fighting. And not really... I mean, I guess it's supposed to be the final chapter of Phoenix, so, I mean, that happens, but nothing else really happens. It felt like it was a lot of filler.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it was. It was a big battle that ended with Phoenix's death. It was probably not the most, I don't know, these comics have got to have a lot of action in them, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, and I, the
0: action is generally not the best part. No,
1: well, I mean, maybe back in the day it was, but I think storytelling has changed over the years, so it's a different, it's a different time.
0: So I think I don't know. I think he was trying to tell, he was trying to get into all these people's heads and make it interesting. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 well, we know that Jean Grey was supposed to live,
1: right? Well, I never really knew that
0: until recently, to be honest. Well, I mean, we know that now, right? So and then, uh then Jim Shooter came and said, "Hey, she well, killed 5 billion people. She can't live.
1: What's this I hear about these people dying? You can't do that. Do something different." So uh I don't know. So the the interview that is actually included in probably both of our works as well as probably the Dark Phoenix Saga, Phoenix Saga. Yeah. Isn't it's an interesting uh, interview. You at you read it, right?
3: Mhm.
1: I did. Um and it it The biggest takeaway I got out of it, it's definitely an interesting read to see kind of everybody's perspective. I guess the interview was conducted in 1984, which is about four years after the events of this issue. So, I mean, memories are a bit scattered, which makes sense. But the thing that I got out of it the most was that comic book creating is definitely, at least at that time, using the Marvel method, was definitely not set in concrete months years out it it definitely seemed that it was very month by month and definitely like even they said like tom orzachowski wanted us to not use any lettering for phoenix when she was in space because he thought it would lend a a more you know it would it would dehumanize her more which i agreed i think i said that even like why is she doing all this thinking she should just be powerful and evil and 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 doing stuff
0: chris claremont couldn't have that no, it's
1: like no, there's no words there. If you learn anything from Stan Lee, it's like if there's a panel, you put words in it. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, even Terry Austin, they were—I think he was part of the interview—and he was like throwing ideas out there, and they're like, "Yeah, we were going to do that," or I don't know stuff like that. So it, it definitely seemed to be a very creative environment. Uh, different things could happen a month months in advance, or uh, different things could happen but those could all change. I mean, just like a conversation changes. Sometimes you start a conversation with like one goal in mind, but if you're open-minded enough, the conversation by the time you get to the end is completely different. So it really sounds like that was the case here with the Phoenix. Because even in the interview, they're talking about like, well, we didn't really know what to do with her.
0: Yeah, because uh, they talk about how John Byrne wanted to make Phoenix totally evil and then suck Phoenix out of Gene and make them two completely separate entities. But Chris didn't want to, do it that way, and they couldn't really we couldn't really figure it out. And the story goes that Jim Shooter this the this issue came to Jim Shooter's desk where Jean Grey lived, and he was like, "No, that can't happen, because she killed a bunch of people." And the uh, the editor of the at the time Jim Sally Krupp, who was being changed over to Louise Jones this month, uh, was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Got to change the last couple of pages, guys." So they quickly came up with a, and you can tell, like you said, the art gets a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. The writing seems very quick. They just kind of wrap everything up really quickly.
1: But in the interview, Jim Shooter, I think even uh, John Byrne, they're both like, "Well, this is better. Like the the thing you did was better in the end." The, and I
0: agree, it is. I don't I mean, know. Reading the alternative, I kind I, of, I I think it's better. Do you? So yeah. do
1: we, let's just – Which maybe we should go over the alternative here real quick.
0: All right. So there are, like, changes all over the alternative. There's a lot less words.
1: <laughs> so that's the other interesting thing. So I, I read this issue, 137, proper, cover to cover, uh, and then I went through and I did just kind of a comparison because I knew there was dialogue changes. Um, and where was I going with that? Uh, Chris Claremont, he says that – he really liked going back and revising 137 because it gave him the chance to quote-unquote fix dialogue and kind of give him a second pass.
0: Which is cool because I actually was like, some of the dialogue is a lot better because of this, but some of it isn't.
1: Yeah, well, okay. So anyways, I, I know where I noticed changes. Where Where do you want to start, Adam?
0: Uh. Well, there's... I mean, there's a lot of minor changes. There's pretty much changes on every page. Like the Watchers dialogue is a, a little bit different. less in the first page. Um, uh, I guess the first. Let's see. The first major thing is that uh, when when beasts when when. Beast doesn't say, no, you got to talk about the law. He says, Lillinger uh, uh, says, we shall see, Angel. Neither you nor Beast are X-Men any longer. This is not your fight. You are free to go if you wish. And Beast says, well, gee, now that you mention it, Lil, I did leave some cookies baking in the oven. I'll be seeing you. And then Beast, uh, Angel grabs him and says, we'll both stay.
1: That's actually kind of funny.
0: Which is like, you know, really out of character for Beast. And you're like, what? And so at first I was like, oh, I see why he rewrote re- that. But then it actually comes back to that, and we'll get back to that a little later.
1: So the the next change that I notice is on the next page, where they're all thinking, and uh, instead of so Nightcrawler's pretty much thinking the same stuff. Actually, there's less words in the in the original. Far words. <laughs> he does not think about the Holocaust at all. No. He thinks about being in tip-top shape and, and that sort of stuff. But the thing I noticed that I liked better was when Angel saves Nightcrawler and they land, um, Nightcrawler says, you look sad. And he's like, well, I'm a bit out of shape. Um, I've discovered that almost too late that being Angel is a part of my life and I don't want to lose it. Which kind of blends in nicer for when he makes the mistake out on the planet's surface or the, the lunar surface.
0: Yeah, a lot of these like uh, reflections that the X Men have are not about Jean Grey, and I feel like Chris Claremont went back and wanted to rewrite them all to have to do with Jean Grey. Like uh, in the next in the next page, we get Wolverine who, instead of saying, "I ain't the I ain't scared of dying," he says, "For the first time in my life, the thought of dying bothers me. I ain't scared." And then he starts talking about, you know, unfinished business. I got unfinished business back home. Someone who cares for me, who loves me as much as I love her. Mariko Yoshida. I wonder if I'll ever see her again. One way or the other, I'll know soon enough. And I and I feel like that's way more interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And actually, I agree on all of those points that the re, the, the issue that went to print is all about them thinking about Jean. And I understand it because he's like, well, I'm going to kill her. So let's get as much of Jean in here as possible. But I really like, it's basically all of the X-Men are like, well, tomorrow we're about to fight for the life of one of our comrades. What does this mean for me? And they're all kind of doing some self-reflection of their own
0: lives. And I like that. And here where we get where Beast is like, Warren, my old friend, you were a dunce. Lalandra offered us an out, a chance to return to Earth, a chance for me to call the Avengers and just about every other superhero I could get my hands on for help. And you blew it for me. Noble, amiable, but dumb. In the old days, you were lots better at picking up my verbal cues. So goes the hand dealt.
1: Oh, I see. So,
0: so he was trying to get go back to get the Avengers. Yeah, which is like a great idea. That's 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 what Beast would do. And then uh, when the
1: lady comes in, who's the masseuse? He says "Wow" in the original version, but the press version <laughs> instead of "All oh, my stars and garden. So that that's a good changed to, to go back to all uh, oh, my stars and carters that makes that sense it's true
0: and then colossus thinks about his brother if you were if you could see me now you were the cosmonaut mikhail i was the farm boy you were to blaze new trails into the vast untamed wilderness of space but you never made it you died today i too may die i hope mikhail that i meet my end with half the courage that you met yours i don't, I don't know, know if it's better it. or worse
1: i I like it better than just kind of the generic, like, Jean Grey is my friend and I will fight for her.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a rehash of Storms, which doesn't really change. She talks about love. and Storms
1: is pretty much the same, except for her last thought balloon is much shorter in the original version. Out of that love and I, uh, out of that love, I and my elemental powers will defend her to the death. And the other one's much longer. How ironic, Dark Phoenix symbolizes all I abhor, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cyclopses are a lot short. He doesn't think about being a a prison uh, leader.
1: No, he thinks about the orphanage, which is, again, it falls right in line with what everybody else is thinking, like reflecting on themselves. And even Gene offers a little in here. This is like the first time, really, this would have been the first time in the comic we really would have talked about Scott and the orphanage. Because in this, she says, I hate that
0: place and what it did to you. Yeah. She says, "I, I, I think you turned out real fine." Uh, And then she, she's the one who says, "You know, people who care for you, who love you, whatever happens, know that I love you." And Scott says, "And with all my heart, and and I, and I, you with all my heart." So he's, she's reassuring him. Yeah, her reassuring, he reassuring her, which I know I kind of like better.
1: You like that?
0: I, I like this the alternate version better the original I like her version. reassuring him better right. than okay. yeah. he reassuring her
1: i agree um this...
0: and then on the next page when uh we see that cyclops is shaking gladiator's hand and saying i wish you luck gladiator well in the in the new version they they uh, erased gladiator and replaced him with angel that is so weird <laughs> why do you think they did that i guess they didn't want Cyclops to say anything to Gladiator or or maybe they really felt that what he said to Angel needed to be there?
1: The funny thing is if you flip back and forth, it's like his body is the same. <laughs> like the <laughs> arm is the same. I think the the inking of his chest little booby muscles are the same.
0: <laughs> Weird. It's a very bad drawing of Gladiator.
1: It's bad drawing of gladiator and kind of a wonky drawing of Angel as well.
0: It's a better drawing of Angel than Gladiator.
1: Also in the uh the Original story, if you want to call it that. It was broken out into chapters, whereas the other one's just a straight issue.
0: Right. So now we're on Chapter 2, A Taste of Armageddon. There's a couple of shortenings where Angel takes off and Cyclops just says, Have you forgotten we're on the moon? Okay. (laughs) Instead of the complicated, we're on the moon and therefore you blah, blah, blah. And then Angel's like, so what? Instead of just, what? Um, When Scott first gets attacked and we get the Mm foom, Starbolt comes in and says that was a warning shot X-Men yield or my or the my next bolt of starfire will burn you to ashes. And then he says in a word Starbolt nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um and and uh, Angel's dialogue is changed what oracle says fools your fate is sealed and angels like promises promises
1: so yeah the next change that i guess i noticed was when wolverine falls into the crystal uh, palace he says uh, can't keep his balance holy aurora uh storm thinks to herself he fell right through that and his voice it almost sounded afraid yeah. Which kind of jives up with a little bit of the dialogue that we get a little later. But in the uh, version that we actually got, she completely ignores that altogether.
0: Well, in the version that we got, she kind of talks about how weak she is and how she has to sound like she's a little stronger, which I kind of like that. Yeah. So the next one that I
1: noticed was uh, when the Cree and the Skrull kind of tango.
0: There's a little less dialogue. There's...
1: I think it's just it. Like, the dialogue is the same, it's just missing the third. Be thankful I did not leave you to your fate, Scroll. So that's not there. So I guess that just takes you to the final five pages. I mean, there's probably other slight nuance changes, but... Oh, well, there's definitely some, yeah. Those were the most dramatic ones that I noticed. But we might as well just cover these last few pages here.
0: It's weird. They After they were heroes, uh, when they're thinking about the old days, the words that are on the... This, the uh, planetoid are gone. Today they will prove it
1: beyond all shadow of a doubt. That does not exist.
0: Right. And then... It says, Majestrix, it is over. And then we cut to Chapter 3, Return to the
1: Ashes. So they are on the ship that was cut through in the original 137. And floating above all of the X-Men, Cyclops's arm is in a cast... Uh, one of the Shi'ar guys is wearing sunglasses
0: for some reason.
1: But floating above all of them is a ripped-up uh, Marvel girl who's floating by all these little needly things.
0: They say the combatants are all returned to the Landry Starship and their wounds are seen to. Despite the element of ferocity of the battle, only two lives were lost, the Kree and Skrull observers. <laughs> True to their heritage, they slew each other.
1: <laughs> oh, nice. See, that's good. We got some finality on that story. Yeah. Um, So there's uh, psi amplifiers all around them, which will boost the power a thousand fold. Uh, I'm not sure why they're doing that. They don't intend. So so
0: basically, what this comes down to is that um, Wolverine's shoulder on fire?
1: I don't know what's (laughs) going on, but there's a yeah. It's either like his his suit is torn and like standing straight up, or he's on fire.
0: Maybe that's some dude behind him. That's a fire dude.
1: Yeah, there was a fire dude earlier in the story.
0: Anyway, Lelandra's plan is to turn to to rid uh, Jean Grey of all her mutantness. So she will she will not have telekinesis or telepathy. She will just be a normal human being. They call it a psychic lobotomy. Yeah.
1: So that's. Um... That's pretty severe, it, although it doesn't say that she'll she'll be mindless. I mean, she'll have all of her memories erased, just that she won't have her powers.
0: No, just, yeah, just that she won't have her mutant abilities. Why don't you guide her, gouge your eyes out while you're at it? She'll be as good as blind, deaf, dumb, retarded, paralyzed, you name it. She'll be better off dead. I'm not letting you do this.
1: I'm pretty sure that's the only time Wolverine has ever said the word retarded in a Marvel <laughs> comic book. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, Cyclops is like, look, we tried, we failed, and we gave our word. Go ahead, Lilandra, do what you need to do.
0: Before I change my mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if I was Lilandra, I'd be like, look, boy, you already gave up that right. So they aim the little psychic amplifiers at her, or they swirl around her and absorb her into this giant white light. They comment that she's glowing like a star. It's so bright in this room. Cyclops starts thinking about inside his own mind the rapport that they share is dissolving like watching somebody die while at the same time dying yourself.
0: Oh, Jean. Jean. She reaches out her hand to him and he, he reaches for it and says, I'm here, Jean, take my hand and kneels before her as she loses their, their psychic rapport, slowly disappears, and she loses her powers, and uh, Cyclops feels empty inside. There's just a hollow ache as if someone had punched a hole through my, his heart.
1: The, the things feel this awful to me. How much worse are they for Jean? She just collapsed into my arms without a word, a sound, a gesture. She's breathing barely, but that's about all. Scott, is she all right? Is there anything we can do? Haven't you done enough already, he sneers. what had was done here had to be done cyclops blah 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 i would be upset if she was my daughter too but i wouldn't do anything differently just leave us alone Lilandra. don't ask for understanding not from me not yet it's too soon the wounds too raw come on
0: x-men let's go (laughs) the professor strangely silent through all of this
1: let's get the hell out of here oh that was another change In the uh, release of 137, uh, Cyclops says, damn it, or something like that. But in this version, he does not say, damn it. But he says, hell, here. So you get a swear word either way. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get the hell out of here. So they leave, and it leaves us with three quick panels of the watcher and the recorder. The drama has ended. It's played out to its final conclusion. Players are all returning to their homes. Witness many conflicts, yet rarely have I seen such courage, such nobility as I have seen this day in the X-Men. Phoenix symbolizes the potential of the species, both good and evil. They bear within them and all the seeds of greatness. And looking at the X-Men, my friend, I think humanity's future may indeed be one of
0: splendid promise and potential fulfilled. Does the Masterworks have the original cover art uh, just penciled and inked with no color? For the next issue? The No, for 137. No. Because here you can definitely tell that Jean Grey is hurling rocks.
1: (laughs) Oh, let me flip through this. I do have uh, like a Bizarre Adventures I'm sure we'll go over at some point. Um...
0: Then we get the, uh, before it was decided Jean Grey would die, John Byrne and Terry Austin illustrated this unused title splash page for the X-Men 138. I... It is Jean Grey sitting at a pond, touching a... a, uh, frog lily or lily pad rather and Cyclops is watching nearby. So
1: I, I do have that 137 original cover artwork. Um, So I you know the thing is is like I guess I can see it going either way. I mean Jean Grey was killed and that's what it was and lots of stories have been written ever since uh, the rest is history but think of like the alternate universe that could have happened if this would have happened because I, I look at this cover and the story I see is that gene is not dealing with the issues of phoenix and cyclops all dressed up there in black as he is or maybe that's just heavy shadowing i can't tell which but he's definitely got like a brooding look on his face he is dealing with the reality of what has occurred
0: oh i don't i don't i mean i guess i don't really see cyclops as the way that you see him but well he's not smiling well, he's He's there. I mean, I guess he's not smiling. There's also, they also, in the Omnibus, they also have page 18 from issue 138 where Nightcrawler gives Jean Grey a flower and Cyclops walks her out to a car where Mr. Grey is waiting to drive her off away from the school. And uh, we cut to a shot of Wolverine looking through the window, watching them drive away. And he turns towards the camera with a single tear falling down his face.
1: Hmm. I don't have that in the Masterworks.
0: So apparently she was going to leave the team. Well, yeah. And not, I think maybe Cyclops goes with her.
1: Well, I mean, so the, the interviews kind of intimate that, that she's powerless. She she leaves the X-Men because she doesn't have any powers. She and Cyclops, maybe they get married, and uh, she just kind of becomes like this background character that, that just shows up every now and again. They didn't really talk about what Cyclops' role is, but then Chris Claremont had an overall role where uh, she would become more and more involved until X-Men number 150, where Magneto either captures her or somehow gets to her and says that I can give you your power back and you can control it this time, that I promise, but then it turns out to be like a double cross and like she's sitting in a room with the powers of the Phoenix swelling around her while Magneto's captured other X-Men and... And maybe she turns into another villain. and uh, They had a lot of ideas that seemed like they could very much work. Another idea that they talked about, which I thought was interesting, was Chris Claremont had this idea that he would turn Jean Grey back to pre-Professor X, which he calls age 10. So she would essentially be like a 9-year-old girl in a 24-year-old body. That's and so like, you'd have to deal with that, which was an interesting idea. But a lot of interesting ideas. I don't know. I, I really just – I guess I see – definitely a lot of story drama potential with her living but being separated from her powers and having all the memories of everything that she'd done and i think there's a lot of things that could have been done with it. i think jim shooter may have been quick to to judge i guess even in the interview he's like well you guys didn't tell me those ideas like those could have worked so whatever anyways uh yeah so there there you go the very long-winded
0: uh Dark Phoenix saga. Jim Shooter says, I didn't provide, at the time I stated my objections, I didn't provide the answer. I said, these are my objections. This is the problems. I don't care how you resolve it, but I want it resolved. So (laughs) he basically throws them all under the bus. (laughs) Yes. I'm glad it happened this way, but I still think the alternate issue was probably had some more uh, choice dialogue i agree um so
1: we got uh we got a little bit of feedback in the itunes feed from Nico yuki he says uh just passed the commentary for issue number 19 so he won't hear this for years Uh, slowly but surely making his way through all of them the podcast has definitely caused him to go back and read stories uh, that uh, he's never read before or considered silver ag to give a second look to. Honestly, great job you guys. Hopefully you can keep it up as I continue through these apparently very old episodes. Or else, so he threatens us. <laughs> <laughs> well, does he threaten himself or us? Now one of the two. Somebody's getting threatened though. So Uh, Yeah, so if you'd like to get in contact with us, let us know how we're doing. You can visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Find your favorite episode, leave some feedback, or you can email us at at dangerroomatredcatproductions.com. You can also go out to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast, or you can follow us on our Twitter feed at Go uh you we're we're available on stitcher you can go out to the itunes page as i said you can search for danger room find us in the podcast section subscribe five star review all that good stuff uh gotta be honest uh there's there's been about uh 10 new uh facebook likes in the last few months so we definitely like to see that happening so that's cool always cool that brings us to the second to last classic
0: x-men right uh Classic X-Men number forty three, the January nineteen ninety, or in the nineties now issue, which is on sale November twenty eighth of nineteen eighty nine. I like which, this cover. Yeah, it's a good cover.
1: This is uh it's a John Byrne cover, um and it's essentially just a different angle of the original cover, more or less. Well, no, because they're not shooting. Well, but it's, I don't know, it's Jean Grey and Cyclops. It's right before they're shooting. Like, they're, Marvel Girl's okay. going to turn around, and she's going to start hurling rocks at whatever Cyclops is looking at. All right, fair enough. <laughs> sure. Uh, the little, the little uh, piece above the price and date's got a watcher with a tear running down his face. Sure. Sure. Doesn't That's make, pretty awesome. doesn't make any sense. He's the watcher. He doesn't cry. He just watches. Above them, some of the Shi'ar people are flying in the moonlight. The inside front piece is kind of a silhouette of all of the X-Men looking onto something. Presumably Jean Grey dead, dead. yeah. Yeah. This one was done by Steve Lytle. The story we're going to read is called Flight of the Angels, or Flight of Angels, by Chris Claremont. Mike Collins is the penciler, Joe Rubenstein is the inker, Joe Rosen is the letter, and Bob Sharon is the colorist. Bob Harris editing, Tom
0: DeFalco editing and chiefing. It starts out with all these, like, cards. There's a whole bunch of cards of Jean Grey's life, different different aspects of her life, and various Phoenix cards as well.
1: So this is interesting to me because I've read a lot of X-Men in and out of continuity. So they talk about Annie Richards here, her friend, which is where she first developed her psych, uh, psychic powers. And when the professor came along, and said, I need to dampen those psychic powers because you can't handle them. I just don't know when we're actually going to learn it in canon because now Jean's dead. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I guess I maybe an answer to that. maybe we learn all that in X-Factor, but I geez, I don't even remember. But that's essentially what's happening here. It's a, a series of cards that kind of take her through her life up till now.
0: Right, and these cards, as we zoom out, they are forming the kind of a chalk outline of a body, and one of them is on fire, and they all start to set on fire, and a giant phoenix emerges from them, and then uh, the body or the shape of the body, turns into jean gray in a phoenix outfit, but now it's all completely white.
2: It isn't fair. I tried so hard to die.
0: Splang. The, she's on a completely flat surface, but uh, a trap door sort of opens, and a whole bunch of girders come up from the hole.
1: It's a dude whistling, and she's trying to get his attention, but he's just setting up girders. Eventually he responds to her. She gets mad at him.
2: I'm talking to you, mister.
0: So I hear. So what?
2: All they want are some answers.
0: forkin can't you see? <laughs> I got no stom bridal chit-chat.
2: Oh, the devil take it. And you, buster. I'll find them myself. So sorry to have bothered you.
1: Not asking yourself, like, why am I in the middle of space on a brown flat platform of the man with girders? It's like the more important question. But as she walks, she dresses,
0: a- her costume has changed. Three faces of Phoenix. Green was the good one. Red was the bad. So what means this white? Ooh, nice stars. But shouldn't there be more? Yay!
1: She falls. She falls on her ass.
0: I don't know I'm why. Not sure why. I guess because she, she's surprised. I guess she must look over the edge and get surprised
1: over the edge ah. over the edge is kind of like a sheer cliff into the emptiness of space if you will but it's not the emptiness of space cuz it looks like in this next panel she's able to touch stars i'm not really sure in the sky sweet mercy those aren't stars of course they are lass but it's like she can touch them but i'm not sure if that's what is actually happening
0: those pinpricks are galaxies what am i looking at out there mister the whole universe View does
1: take some getting used to, and he gives her a cup of hot cocoa or coffee or tea or something. And they talk. Yep. <laughs> I don't really know what the whole point of this whole story is, but she talks a little bit about like being a psychotic Alice in Wonderland. Uh, She tries to jump off the side of this little platform thing that they're on, but this builder guy grabs her and pulls her back on.
0: My powers didn't hold me. I tried to catch myself with telekinesis, but nothing happened. My telepathy's gone as well. I can't sense any thoughts but my own. It's been so long since I've known such quiet. This is so crazy. Whatever,
1: I got work to do. Um, I don't know, is she walking up and down these stairs or is it that she's like walking down the stairs and as soon as she gets to the bottom of the stairs, she finds herself walking up the stairs? Right, yeah. Because it's not well it's conveyed. Not okay. I mean, I guessed that, but I feel like there's a better way to convey that other than like big question marks coming out of her head. Because <laughs> in these panels, it just looks like she's pacing up and down these stairs.
0: Well, but she and then she says, but I just, never mind, simply turn around and try ag- again. Again? Again, exclamation mark.
1: She asks the builder what he's doing, and he's like, I'm doing my job, I'm building. So he throws a utility belt to her, and she puts it in. We get a nice bust shot of her, by the way. (laughs) And so she starts building, but the thing that she's building is much smaller and intricate than the thing that he's building. Almost kind of looks like the thing she
0: almost fell off of earlier. She says it's a representation of the building that they're standing on. Yep. A flash
1: of light from inside, but how can that be? And now she's on the planet's surface with these people that kind of look like broccoli.
0: (laughs) And we've seen this planet before. This is the Dabari. And in fact, the Dark Phoenix shows up and eats their son.
1: I don't understand this dialogue. Somebody says like, lovely day, is it not? Glorious, truly. Anyway, Gavin met this boy at school. Really? I don't need a mate maker. Like, I don't understand what that means. Give the poor lad a try, for goodness sake. Where's
0: the harm? It's just a couple of people making conversation, and this is Jean Grey has taken the place of just another one of these debari um, people. Got it. So this is like three kids talking that are on their way to school or something.
1: Sure. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense, I guess. Yep. Phoenix shows up and blows it up. And then she's like, oh, my
2: God, I did that.
0: And then she's on the uh, spaceship where she is one of the ensigns and she witnesses the ensigns last moment as Dark Phoenix now destroys that ship.
1: Oh, I see. She actually is the ensign in this. I right. See. Okay.
2: Eh, okay.
0: It blows up and
2: such passion, such pleasure. No.
0: It's kind of weird that they made it clear that she's the Ensign by putting her in the Ensign's uniform, but they didn't make it clear that she's the Dabari by putting her in some Debari clothes.
1: Yeah, she's in her Phoenix outfit. That's why I was confused. Like, why is Phoenix? I mean, Phoenix is walking with them. That's alliterative of, like, what's happening, but, like, the conversation didn't fit. But, anyways.
0: Right. They should have put her in one of those Dabari cloaks.
1: So, she wakes up. She was dreaming. This dude's holding her. Like, let it go. And she says,
2: I know you. You're death. <laughs>
0: You asked me where you were and what this place is. Consider it the, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end of it all, where the physical universe merges with the domains of the spirit and imagination and Chris Claremont smokes some peyote.
2: <laughs> words, just words.
0: Damn right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Master Builder, which room on your edifice is for me? If you were meant for here, girl, you'd be here. Part of it is a fabric, as those in your shall. Small contribution.
0: I don't really know what he's saying. So she thinks that he's implying that she's his apprentice and she is also death. But that's not right. Uh, Death, the frame that gives life form and structure. Universe revolves around my tower because oblivion is where we began. uh, It's just a bunch of crap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It really is just a bunch of words. Uh, Do you think it was an accident that as a child your thoughts touched Scott Summers? We're talking again about that Thing we saw last issue, last, yeah, last classic, classic again, issue by the, uh, or that he was orphaned by the Shiar Empire emperor, that. Fleeting contact eventually drew Scott to Professor Xaver's school for gifted youngsters where he grew into Cyclops, leader of the X-Men. He fell in love with you and you with him so that at the proper time and place that the Mad Emperor attempted to obliterate all, you'd be there to stop him. If you hang a balance last to judge yourself, be sure to measure the countless lives saved as well. So he's saying that all of that happened so that she could save the universe.
2: Yes,
0: everything was (laughs) preordained. Yep and then it's not so bad that she killed 5 billion people because she saved much more.
1: Yeah, I mean if you put it all in perspective, it's dropping the bucket.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Uh...
0: And the story goes on. <laughs>
1: just so many words.
0: Gifts and uh, uh, I don't know. Because like the sort of she just takes off as as Phoenix and she's like, "Take care. I won't forget you, friend." Or our talk, this
2: time, trust me, things will turn out right.
1: You too, poor wee thing. If only it were that easy. And then we flash to some more cards. And the cards are basically everything that is to come from the moment past 137. Gene getting shot, Madeline Pryor being born, more Phoenix stuff.
0: Well, what exactly is happening here? So, Mr. Sinister... Like clones Madeline Pryor. No, clones Jean. And then he terminates her? I don't, is There's that just, what it says? Is yeah, this... it says terminate.
2: I, I,
1: pushes, I, think, I think the story goes is that there was like multiple attempts at Madeline Pryor.
0: He pushes the terminate button and it looks like he watches her terminate, but the fire goes off in her eyes. And then shh, the phoenix, this is a terrible drawing, it looks like the phoenix approaches the earth again, and lands in the bottom of the sea uh where they, I don't know, is this, I'm very confused.
1: <laughs> if I'm to guess, and I'll try, I believe that this is Madeline, I don't know what's terminating here, maybe that was a bad Madeline Pryor, but the next one that looks like, well, actually it's terminated, but then she is awakened by the Phoenix effect. So the story goes that when Phoenix's lights went out, mine went on or something like that, And so Mr. Sinister, I think, thinks that this Madeline Pryor clone is dead, but she's not. She awakens. I think she escapes or something. Then Mr. Sinister's got to find her. The Phoenix of Forest goes and flies around. It goes to the bottom of Jamaica Bay, where it finds the tube that Jean Grey was in. And then Mr. Sinister is holding. I believe that that is Madeline Pryor. Because this is all taking place after uh, Inferno, where a lot of this stuff is revealed. Like the classic X-Men Is physically written after the Inferno Star storyline. Right, right. That would be what I assume these panels mean.
0: Spoilers.
1: (laughs) Well, we are in the spoilers section. You know this listener by this point. Things you can't be told but have to discover for yourself no matter the cost. I'm truly sorry, child. You'll remember neither words nor me, but you will learn the hard way. Oh, I
0: wish I could forget this story.
1: Don't know what you're going to learn the hard way, but you're going to learn it. It's going to be hard.
0: The hard way. So as
1: long as we're in the spoiler section, there's just one spoilerific thing that, that I want to ask. Because, I, you know, like I've said, like I've read a lot of these, but this is the first time I've really kind of... I've, it's definitely the first time I've ever read one through wherever we are right now. But I realized that Wolverine fell in love with Phoenix... Phoenix, as we find out in X-Factor, was just kind of a facsimile of Jean. Wasn't really Jean.
0: So he really never fell in love with Jean. Well, no, he fell in love with her
1: before Phoenix. If you read the comic books, the first time he shows any sort of, in canon, not not any of the retconny stuff, like the classic X-Men stuff, the very first issue where he shows affection is issue 100 when he buys the flowers for her after she has risen from the uh, water and says, I am power
2: incarnate, I'm Phoenix.
1: And then he takes those flowers to the hospital room, sees all the rest of the X-Men there, and
0: throws them in the, the garbage. Well, right, but that implies that he fell in love with her before she turned into Phoenix.
1: I don't know if that implies anything.
0: <laughs> to me, the
1: reader, that says, like, that's when he decided he had feelings for her. but oh, right. I, I he guess my he... my point, though, is that is this. My point is that, he has only ever expressed any sort of emotion or love or whatever to Phoenix. Maybe he had these feelings prior to her becoming Phoenix, but they were never expressed until she became Phoenix. And so when okay. she when she is revised later on uh, for X Factor, and, and she's actually Jean Grey, and she meets up with Wolverine, Wolverine's like, oh my god, he, like he kiss, he grabs her and kisses her, and like that's their like that's their reunion. Like, I find that weird because that was never established. And there's even dialogue from Gene about like, oh, he's the best uh, at what he does.
0: <laughs> no, no, am I overthinking it? No, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll keep that in mind as we uh, ever will go forward. <laughs>
1: yeah. I was going to try to keep that to myself, but, you know, that's like 50, no, 63, 73 issues from now, 63 issues from now. Dope. Anyways, you do any other reading, Adam?
0: I did. I read the uh, Avengers number 199 in the September 1980 issue, which also could be worth $2,500 to you. Ooh. And um, it continues the story of the giant robot Red Ronin. Uh, Hawkeye returns to the team, joins the Avengers again, and uh, Beast and Jocasta are inside of Red Ronin, and Beast manages to save the day by finding... The main power plug of Red Ronan and turning it off. He pulls the plug. Perfect, literally. And this issue ends with Carol Danvers giving birth to Rogue. No, just to, to we don't we don't know because uh, it's uh, what, what's this, what's the Thor Doctor uh, Donald Doctor Donald Blake comes out and he says, "Let me find the exact words." Is
1: is is it is it Donald Blake as in Thor Donald Blake or is it a different Donald Blake?
0: Yeah, it's Thor Donald Blake. Okay. Miss Marvel's gone into labor, and it's not like any kind of labor I've ever seen. I don't know if I can handle it, frankly. I don't know if anything human can. Oh, oh, it's probably like a Cree. Um, I don't, I don't believe it is. Oh. No, in fact, I know it isn't because oh, okay. I kind of have sort of flipped through the next issue. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It plays into the events of uh, Avengers Annual 10. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Are we going to read that one, Adam? You know what? Avengers Annual 10 is actually in the uh, Marvel or the X-Men Omnibus 2. It should be. It, there's a ton of stuff that happens in that issue. It's 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 in there as well as uh, the four-part... Um, and this, like both of these, are not in the supplemental section. They're actually in chronological order. Uh, that Avengers annual, and also uh, Marvel. No, uh, it's a four-part Marvel something or other, huh? Which I, I don't know what it's called, but Marvel kind of. It's it's just weird that it's there. So I guess I guess we're, it's it's in the omnibus. It's it means we have to do it. Oh, I can't wait uh yeah all right well perfect marvel fanfare is what it is issues one through four
1: i can't even think of what x-men stories would be
0: in there it has something to do with the savage land
1: oh boring but we'll cover it (laughs) i hate the savage land all right well there you go visions of things to come adam one other vision of things to come i want to cover the uh marvel dc x-men new teen titans crossover which speaks features the rebirth of a character i won't give it away really heck (laughs) yeah
0: all right have you read
1: it
0: uh, no i haven't read it but it's it's listed in the the continuity list that i have
1: oh is it i thought it was officially not part of canon
0: it is not part of canon but it's it's there's still we are right around the area when it would take place
1: we definitely are so You'll have to remind me of when that is and and we'll either breeze through it or we'll make it a whole episode because I think it is actually, it's a two-part and it's written by Chris Claremont too. So, you know, Mm. we've rambled on way too long, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So this this was our special 17th anniversary episode. Yeah, it's just like 14 years too early. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, the Danger Room is closed. I'm Jim Shooter.
3: And when I was... uh... 12 years old, I decided I wanted to write comic books. At the time, the death of Dark Phoenix was controversial. We're going to kill her. I said, OK. He said, what do you mean, OK?
0: No, no, and Shooter was, the, was God at that point. And it was your decision was to kill her. You said, we'll kill her then. Yeah, well, I figured if we're going to
3: do it, we might as well do it right. Because he never thought I'd go along with this. right? He thought he could back me down. And um, I said, OK, she's dead. That's done. It's It's a deal. It's a pact. She dies. And he's like, what do you mean? But you uh, know, now he starts arguing, like, you can't kill her. I said, what do you mean me kill her? You just said you were going to kill her.
0: When he decided that conflict was always a can't-must situation. So if there's oh, a particular yes. year. I can't, I must,
3: I can't, I must. When you tell a guy, no, you can't do this, uh, most creators, they're never going to say, he's a wise man. I'm going to listen to him. No, they go and do an interview with a fanzine and tell everybody what a jerk you are. That, to me, too, was part of the job.
0: I mean, the thing about Jim
2: Shooter is he was very devoted to the idea of real storytelling in comics. I mean, he was always citing Shakespeare and this and that. But he was—he got fascistic about it.
3: I was the ultimate arbiter of the characters. It's up to me what, what Spider-Man's character was. That was my job. I was hired to protect those franchises. And uh, I'm proud of it. I mean, we really built an audience. I wish we could get it back.